0: Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario. We're on a mission to reach people who are far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. Hey, this week I'm kicking off a brand new message series called The Parables of Jesus. And over the next seven or eight weeks, we're going to be walking through some of the most incredible stories ever told. Kicking things off this morning by talking about the parable of the sower, which we're calling The Parable of Parables. There's something here for everyone. I hope you enjoy Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to our online service. Today I'm kicking off a brand new message series called The Parables of Jesus. And I'm really excited uh, over the next seven or eight weeks or so to be walking with you through some of the most incredible stories ever told. If you're new to church, if you're new to faith, you may not know that Jesus was one of the most incredible storytellers who ever lived. I think he was the most incredible storyteller who ever lived. And there's something about stories that are so powerful. I mean stories have been used for centuries for millennia to pass down important information from one generation to the next, be it the ancient Jews and Hebrews, be it the first nations' people here in our own country. Stories carry these incredible messages from generation to generation, and they 're easy to remember. One of the things you may not know about the parables of Jesus is that uh, Jesus would have told these parables over and over again. He was a traveling preacher, remember and when I was in Bible college, uh, my wife and I went across Canada, and when we went across Canada, each night we were in a different church, and there was a preacher that was traveling with us, and each night he would preach the same sermon with the same stories. And after three weeks of this, everyone on the team could quote his stories from heart. Like it was, We knew exactly what he was saying next, we knew how he was going to say it, and I imagine it was the same for the disciples. As Jesus traveled around, they heard these stories and those stories began to sink in and they remembered them and they share them with us in the Gospels. And so over the next uh, seven or eight weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the key parables of Jesus, some of the stories that he told. So let me just ask a quick question that you may be wondering, again, if you're new to church, you may be wondering, what is what is a parable? I mean, what does that even mean? And a parable uh, could be defined this way. It's a short story that teaches a moral or spiritual lesson. Let me give you a couple examples that you will be familiar with. Many of you have heard the story of the boy who cried wolf, right? And it's the story of this boy, and he's just like, there's a wolf, and everyone comes running with their pitchforks, and of course, uh, there's no wolf. And after three or four or five times of this, he cries wolf, because there's actually a wolf, and no one comes. Uh, There's a lesson there uh, about overreacting, Uh, There's the parable of the tortoise and the hare. You've probably heard that one, right? And so the tortoise and the hare, that parable, that story, teaches a lesson about discipline, about consistency, faithfulness. Just keep plodding along and you will outperform the person who's extremely gifted and talented who doesn't uh, have consistency. So these are parables. They are stories that contain incredible, incredible uh, lessons for us. Jesus also used a lot of parables to compare two things. And, and the word parable comes from a Greek word that literally means to throw alongside. So it's like you've done this online where you're comparing two products. You put them both side by side with all their features and benefits. And you're comparing them so you can learn something about what something is or isn't. Jesus would use comparison to teach. And he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like a sea. The kingdom of heaven is like a fisherman with a net. And he would say, I'm going to take something that you know and understand and see each and every day And I'm going to explain to you something spiritual that you don't understand and have no idea about. When I was a kid, uh, I remember having a a hard time understanding fractions. Like I knew zero meant you got nothing, and one meant you have one of something. I got that. But I couldn't figure out how fractions worked until a teacher showed me a pizza. And I understood how a pizza worked. And the teacher said, here's a pizza. How many of them is there? And I went, there's one. And they said, what happens if we cut the pizza in half? oh well, well, then you have two halves. And they're like, yes, that's a fraction. And what if we cut it the other way? You have four pieces, that's four quarters. Cut it two more times, and now you have eight eighths. And so this, this idea that I couldn't grasp of fractions made total sense when you started slicing up something I understood, a pizza. Jesus is going to use stories, everyday things that you and I understand, to teach us about eternal things that truly, truly matter. So Where do we begin a series like this? (laughs) There are uh, somewhere between 30 and 50 parables recorded for us in three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Interesting note, John kind of does his own thing and doesn't include any parables. You may not have even noticed that. Uh, But in these three Gospels, we have many stories, comparisons that Jesus uses to teach. So for me, having to choose seven to ten of them to talk about over this next little while, I decided to begin with the parable of the sower. That's where I decided to begin. And the reason why I think the parable of the sower is the place for us to begin our study in the parables of Jesus is because the parable of the sower could really be called the parable of parables. Like, it's the most significant one. And you go, how do you know that it's the most significant one? Well, uh, there's kind of three reasons why I think it's really significant. Number one, it's one of the first parables Jesus told. In each of those three gospels... Right at the beginning of his ministry, you see the parable of the sower. So it, it kind of comes first. This parable in all three of the gospels. So all three of the gospel writers made sure that this parable found its way into their writing. Thirdly, Jesus puts an exclamation mark on top of this parable when he says this in Mark chapter 4, verse 13. His disciples come to him, and his disciples are like, Jesus, why, why are you talking in parables? And he says to them, do you not understand this parable? you don't get this one how then will you understand all the parables so jesus is indicating to us to you and to me that understanding this parable the parable of the sower is like a key that will help to unlock the significance and meaning of many of the other parables interesting point of fact this particular parable jesus is going to explain for us he does not explain all parables which means that we've got to do some interpretation we've got to we've got to sort of figure out we have to learn how to decipher the meaning of Jesus' parables. That's one of the things that we have to figure out how to do. How do we decipher the, the meaning of the parables? And here's what we're going to do. Over the next uh, seven weeks or so, as we explore the parables of Jesus and seek to understand them better, I want to give you sort of three things that we want to consider as we approach um, these parables. All right, These are sort of a grid that's going to help us to understand what exactly Jesus was talking about. Okay, Here's the, here's the first one. We want to consider what was or what is Jesus' mission. So It's this idea of kind of zooming out. Like if I'm looking at a Google map and I see a bunch of roads and trees and rivers, I go, where am I? I have to get my bearings. And so what do I do is I take the screen and I pinch it and I zoom out and I'm like, oh, we're on the east side of Peterborough and Peterborough is located northeast of Toronto. And you kind of get your bearings and then you can zoom in and what you're seeing makes sense. That's what we're talking about. What was Jesus' mission? When we understand the big picture of why he came and what he was trying to communicate, then we can understand the specific purpose of the parable. Second thing, uh, what is the context? Okay, Everybody at home say context is king. Context is king. I mean, it, it, if we don't know who Jesus was talking to, many of the parables that Jesus taught were in response to a question or a comment or something that was going on before or after what Jesus said. And so by considering those things, we get a, a more clear Understanding of what he's talking about. The third thing I want us to do as we're studying the parables is I want us to watch for the twist. Okay? Now, I think that almost all of Jesus' parables contain some sort of twist. And what I mean by that is there's some element to the parable or the story he's telling that's unusual. And that thing that's unusual should grab our attention and should let us know that it's important. Okay, And I think what happens is when there's a twist in the story that we don't expect, it creates in us a bit of a tension. And we're going, okay, why did he put that twist in there? Why did he tell the story that way? Why is that element, we get the rest, but why is that different? And and when we focus in on the twist and we discover the tension in the parable, it helps us to understand what exactly we're reading. So uh, we're going to talk today about the parable of the sower. And what I want to do is I want to just sort of, let me just recap what you heard maybe 10 minutes ago, you heard the story of a sower who went out into his field and he began sowing seed. He began casting seed and he throws seed everywhere. He's throwing it on the road. He's, he's throwing it on stony ground. He's, he's throwing it in weedy places, right? And, and some of it lands in good ground. So he's kind of just throwing seed everywhere and the seed is, is going to do whatever it's going to do. And then literally um, Jesus ends the story. That's it. So what I want to do today is I want to begin with the, the tension, i want to, I want us to focus in on the twist and and here's the thing I want you to know too often we rush past too often we rush past the twist in our search for truth. We rush past the twist we go <clears throat> okay, he planted seed in four different places. okay, what does Jesus mean, and we read Jesus's interpretation of this is what the four soils are, and here's the application we got the truth, and we move on. I want you to feel the tension of the twist in this message. You may have never noticed it before. So Here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I want to give you some context, and then we're going to read that same parable, and I'm going to point out the twist. Is that cool? Here's what we're going to do. Um, in the first century, um, many of the people were farmers. They lived off the land. They lived off the what they could catch in the sea. Uh, they understood that they had to plant, in this case, let's talk about wheat. They planted wheat, and that meant they had to dig up their garden and they planted the seeds. And then when the harvest came in, they would gather all the harvest at the appropriate time. And what would they do? They would set aside maybe a big bag of of wheat seeds in a cool, dry place so they would have something to plant for next season. Otherwise, they would starve. So the first thing they would do is set aside seed. Then they would eat some of the harvest, and then they might sell any excess for money. And so they understood that seed was extremely important. I mean, their livelihood depended on it. So When you take that into consideration, imagine what they were thinking as Jesus tells them this story. As Jesus says, let me tell you a story about someone who plants seed. And they're all like, oh, we get how that works. And uh, let's read through it together. And I want you to see the twist. And he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow. Okay, this guy's going out to plant seed. We know how that works. We do that all the time. Here's what he says next. And as he sowed, Some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Now we hear that, and we're like, oh yeah, it makes sense, because we're just picturing Johnny Appleseed just chucking seeds everywhere. But these people listening are like, what is he doing? What what kind of farmer is this? Everyone knows you don't throw seeds on hard-packed ground. You don't throw it on the side of the road expecting it to grow. And and you, You have to imagine, people are listening to this going, what kind of farmer is this? Why are we listening to a carpenter talking about farming this guy knows like in the back of the crowd someone's heckling like boo this guy stinks he doesn't know what he's talking about someone's like shh, shh, shh. he's going somewhere let's see where he goes next and here's what he says next he says um other seed fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil <laughs> so he says okay he throws some on the road and everyone's like that's dumb and then he throws some on rocky ground and so you've all seen like a rocky area that was big solid rock and a little pool of dirt is kind of like right there and you see grass maybe even a little tree growing out of this shallow depth of dirt and it's like wow look at that how could that tree grow there and then of course what happens is um, the sun and the heat and the drought and because it has no root it it dies And, and so they're like what is this guy talking about what kind of farmer plants seeds in rocky places everybody knows you have to turn over the soil and remove all the rocks before anything can grow. I mean, farmers in our area have been doing this for centuries. They go out into their field and they gather all the rocks and they, and they make fence lines out of it so they so they can grow their crops. This doesn't make sense. They're like, what is going on with this story? Next thing he says, he says, uh, but when they rose, the sun uh, scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Okay, now... He's planted seeds in places where there's weeds. And there, again, think about this, first century farmers. Why in the world would he plant seed and then not tend to it? I mean, if you have a garden and you plant vegetables in it, you go out every few days and you pull the weeds. You want to make sure that other stuff doesn't overgrow. So I want you to see, this is the tension in the story. Jesus is talking about a farmer who's throwing valuable seed in places it will never grow. And everyone's wondering, why in the world would the farmer be so foolish why in the world would he not prepare the soil tend the soil be very careful where he places it and finally Jesus says this he says other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain some a hundred some 60 and some 30 fold so <laughs> this is the part i remember when i was a kid reading this we're like wow the seed bore fruit 100 fold like that's amazing no that's expected that should be normal every farmer knows That if you're going to farm, you need 30, 60, 100 fold or you will starve. And they understand that if you prepare the soil and put it in the right place, it's going to grow. So there's a huge twist. You have a generous farmer who's throwing seeds and three quarters of them are wasted. That's the tension. And then Jesus finishes by saying this, let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now imagine if you're in that crowd, okay, picture thousands of people uh, walking around and, and Jesus is standing in a boat preaching to a huge crowd of people and he tells them this crazy story about a farmer who's throwing seeds everywhere, most of it's wasted and then he's like, whoever has ears to hear, hear what it means. And then he walks away. Like that's the sermon. So it's no surprise, <laughs> it's no surprise what happens next is that Jesus' disciples are going to pull Jesus aside because they're they're like, Jesus, you had like... 1,063 people in the crowd, and they always counted the people, right? We I mean, count people because people count, and they were, Judas probably counted, and so they were counting all these people in the crowd, and they're like, Jesus, you have this huge crowd. Why would you do that? Why would you give them some paradoxical story and not explain it to them? And uh, we, we discover in the next six verses, which we don't have time to read today, um, they say, Jesus, why? Why? Why do you speak in parables? Why would you do that? And Jesus essentially says, well, I'm doing it for this reason. Number one, I'm using this parable, uh, I'm using this parable to sort of hide truth from those who have hard hearts and won't listen anyways, but also I'm using the same parable and story to reveal truth to those who have a soft and willing heart. You know, when my wife and I, when our kids were little, we used to talk in riddles and we would use some of these strategies to communicate while in the van in a way that our kids couldn't understand. When they were really little, we'd spell things out. We'd be like, hey, do you want to take the kids for I-C-E-C-R-E-A-M? But our two-year-old son Noah could already, could already read so he'd be like, oh, we're going for ice cream, and, and everyone would get excited. And we would talk in code language, and, and Jesus is, is doing that. He's sharing these stories, and when properly understood, they reveal something incredible to the willing and open heart. There's uh, three things we want to consider before we read Jesus' interpretation of these parables, okay? There's three things we want to talk about. Um, The first one is this. I already said, what is Jesus' mission? Um, So when we take a look and zoom out of this narrative, and you go, what was Jesus here to do? And what was he trying to communicate? What was Jesus trying to do with all the parables? And when we take a big picture view, we get our bearings. And I'll tell you this, that Jesus' mission was this, to announce a new kingdom. There's a new kingdom coming to the earth. There's a new king. It's an eternal kingdom. And this kingdom will fill the earth and will transform and transcend every other kingdom of the world. That was his. That's what he came to announce. That's what he came to do. He was the king. He's the son of God. And so he came to reveal this. And he tells this first parable... <laughs> Because he wants them to understand that the kingdom is going to come not in force, not like the Romans invade and take over an entire area, not like the Greeks with their with their pikes and and, and spears, uh, not like Napoleon Bonaparte and his horse, okay, not like the Nazis and their blitzkrieg where they kind of kind of shoot in like nobody's expecting and enroll the tanks. Jesus says that's not how the kingdom comes. The kingdom comes like a seed. And it's not an external thing that's forced upon people, but it's something that goes deep into the heart and begins to produce something slowly over time. That over time, God's kingdom would grow and expand and fill the whole earth one person, one heart, man, woman, child at a time. That's how the kingdom was going to grow. So this parable is he's, he's announcing the kingdom and he's saying this is how it's going to come. This is his mission, okay? Christianity was never intended to be a political movement or a power movement or a position movement or a controlling thing. It's It's God's power at work in the individual heart to transform. Okay? So what was his mission? Second thing we want to consider is what the context is. Okay, what's the context? Now, the context, I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to just skip some of this. But let me just give you a little indication. Jesus had preached the Sermon on the Mount. He had healed people, already done some incredible miracles. And the religious leaders, the Jewish representatives of the nation, rejected Jesus. In the previous chapter, they said that he was working with Satan. They had just thrown Jesus out. And so he's like, fine, you're going to reject me. You're going to reject my kingship, my kingdom, my teaching. I'm going to start speaking in parables. And and you think you're wise, but you you will miss the whole thing. Okay, So that's the context. um, The context of what is going on here. Again, two important things. Jesus wanted us to understand how the kingdom will come, how the kingdom will come, and how the kingdom will work. As I already said, uh, again, we'll come back to this more in future weeks. Um, the disciples, they're hearing Jesus talk about this guy throwing seeds, and they are in their minds expecting John Wayne to show up on a horse. Hey, little lady, I'm gonna save the world. They expected something, uh, something very different. They they just, they thought Jesus would show up like King Arthur with Excalibur. They thought he would show up like like you know kicking alien butts out of here like Captain America. Like there was gonna be this incredible warrior Jesus that was gonna like do all this incredible stuff. And Jesus is like no 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 no. Um, It's more like a farmer throwing seeds. I'm actually not going to come riding in on a white horse. I'm going to ride in on a baby donkey. And I'm going to be humiliated and stripped and beaten and killed. And they're like, this doesn't make sense. But this is how the kingdom works. Jesus says, unless a seed goes into the ground and is buried, it can't produce fruit. He's like, I'm going to take my life, my eternal life, and I'm going to die for you. And that's going to produce eternal life in you. And it's going to begin a a, a tree, something that grows up and fills the whole earth. So Jesus' idea of how the kingdom would come was very different than theirs. The second thing is how the kingdom would work. How the kingdom would work. Jesus is like a sower and he's throwing seeds everywhere. All right, And what Jesus is trying to communicate through this parable is that it's the exact same message and the same message will produce different results. Same message, totally different results. How is it possible that that same seed lands in one place and, and is devoured or destroyed and it lands in another place and produces all this fruit? See, the problem isn't the message. The problem isn't the teachings of Jesus. The problem isn't the kingdom. The problem is on our end, on the hearing end, on the receiving end. And Jesus wants to, to point that out. I, I thought of my message title is Parable of Parables, but I, I thought about calling it Individual Results May Vary. And you've seen that probably on labels. It's like, this product promises to do this and this, but individual results may vary. And that's one of the points Jesus is trying to make. He's like, look, the kingdom is such that it, it, it must be received in a particular way for its power to take effect. I love what Charles uh, Charles Spurgeon said, great preacher. He said that the same sun that melts wax hardens the clay. All right, the same sun has two different effects on two different substances, And Jesus is essentially saying the same thing in this parable of the sower. He's saying the same message, the same truth, the same kingdom of God will produce very different results in different hearts. Some people will reject it and grow harder, and others will be softened and transformed by it. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, Paul says the same thing. He says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. How is it possible? That for one person, the message of Christianity, the message of Christ, can save and transform your life, your family, your world, and for another person, it is utterly rejected and seems like foolishness. That is what Jesus is trying to communicate. So, with the bit of time we have left, I'm going to try to kind of race through Jesus' explanation of the parable And as we go through, uh, we'll sort of draw out some application and go, okay, so Jesus is saying the kingdom of God comes in seed form and produces something in my life, but my heart has to be receptive. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Let's go back through in uh, Matthew 13, verse 18. Jesus says this, hear then the parable of the sower. He's going to explain it. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, so just stop for one second. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom... Okay, So he says, my message, the kingdom has arrived. I'm the king, salvation through me. That message is the word. It's the seed that goes out. And Jesus is, in that case, the sower. But also his disciples, who he's explaining this to, he doesn't explain it to the crowds, his disciples would one day become the sowers. They would take the message into the world. And for those of us who have received that message, we also become the sower as we share it, but we're also the soil because he's going to tell us, who the soil is he says and he says whoever does not understand it the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart that is what was sown along the path so jesus now draws our attention to the fact that the message is the same for everyone but there is a difference in the way we receive it there's a difference in the condition of our heart we're the soil in the story and the word of the kingdom, the message of Christianity is the seed that is going out uh towards us. And he tells us there are four different types of soil, four responses. Let's look at them together. And he says, In him who does not understand, the evil one snatches it away uh, what has been sown in his heart. I already read that. Uh, so that's you know, that's the person who rejects the message. It's always amazing to me that two people can listen to a sermon like this or attend a church or read the Bible. And one of them comes away, and their heart is melted, and they're transformed, and 10 years from now, you're still seeing the effects of something that they heard and believed. And someone else can leave that same message, same service, and be whatever, like just gone. And it's literally like a bird has just snatched away that valuable treasure that was deposited in them. And that's that's the person with the hard heart. Is that you? Is that me? That's the question we have to wrestle with. The next verse, he goes on to the second type of heart, and he says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the shallow earth, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Woo-hoo! I'm getting baptized. I'm joining a small group. I'm all in for Jesus. I mean, there's just this incredible response like to the message, and it says, yet he has no root. Everybody say, no root. All right, so no root, no root in themselves. But endures for a while, and when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Do you know that um, roots are imperative for everything? Roots are imperative for everything. Uh, Next week is uh, Valentine's Day, and hopefully, you know, I'm going to be buying some flowers. Hopefully you buy some flowers. But you know the flower, the beautiful thing that looks nice, smells nice? That's the fruit. But the flower is only possible because there's root. No root, no fruit. We all love the fruit, but we need root. And I'm telling you, uh, it's so easy for us to be like, get excited about what the Bible says, but it's a whole nother thing to to, to, to be rooted in it, to be rooted in truth, to be a rooted person. You know, some people um, are here today, gone tomorrow. They're excited about their faith, and then someone gets sick, they lose their job, something bad happens, and they're just like, oh, forget all this, and they're gone. And we all, we've all been that person, and we all know somebody like that. No root here today gone tomorrow. Jesus says, listen, disciples, I want you to know that when you share the message of the gospel, you tell people about my kingdom, some are just going to reject it. They're going to hate you. They're going to, they're going to run you out of town. They're going to try to hang you. Some people are going to get super excited and you're going to think they're your next, you know, they're, they're your next, you know, best friend. And when things get difficult, they're going to disappear. He continues, um, with a third response. And he says, as for those who were sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Um, these are good people with a good heart that want to hear the truth of God's kingdom. They want to make Jesus the Lord of their lives, uh, but there's so much other stuff growing in their garden, in their heart, and they're all vying for affection. Um, this past summer, um, my kids and I, we planted a vegetable garden like many people did during COVID. And uh, we planted this garden and we had like these, these nice uh, green peppers and all these different plants. Uh, but we didn't have a lot of space, and we planted too much stuff in there. And maybe you've made this mistake before, but like our, our green pepper plant was totally overshadowed by a tomato plant that just took it over. And at some point, we had to decide which one was going to go. And I started snipping branches and cutting plants out of the garden. And essentially what Jesus is saying is for any of us who receive the truth and hear his word, at some point. What Jesus wants to do in our lives, and what we want—money, power, prestige, our pride—all these things are growing together. And as the grows, as the gospel of the kingdom grows in us, they start fighting for root space. They start fighting for for sun and water. And we have to make a difficult decision of what's gonna what's gonna what's gonna die, what's get pulled out of that garden. And unfortunately, many people will choose money, friends, power themselves, their own desires over what God is doing in their life and the thing that God wants to do. All the potential of seed is destroyed because we're unwilling to prioritize it. Lastly, of course, Jesus talks about the good soil. He says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. The good and receptive heart will produce fruit. Uh, this is so important for us as we think about Uh, what God wants to do in our lives. God is thinking five and ten years from now, and He wants to see fruit. He wants to see the things that He's placed in us growing and producing something good in the world. I want to kind of finish this message with a call to action, and I want to talk just for a moment about the twist in the story. Remember I said earlier, the twist in the story is the fact that the farmer is just wasting seeds. God (laughs) tells us to share the message of the kingdom with everyone. Knowing full well that maybe three quarters of the people that hear it will not receive it. It will not produce any fruit, but there's no shortage of seed. God is the abundant and generous one who sows his love. He sows his goodness, his sunshine, life, everything we have comes from God and he sows it liberally to all of us. And here's what's cool. The crowd was looking at Jesus and they're going, what kind of crazy farmer would do that? And what Jesus is really doing is he's talking about how God works. He's generous, and he loves you, and he's, he's blessing you, and he's giving you opportunities, and he gives you his word, the word of salvation, the word of truth, and you and I have to decide what to do with it. Now, the criticism that the, the audience would have had of this farmer is like, why wouldn't you turn up the soil? Why wouldn't you weed the garden? Why wouldn't you carefully deposit this investment in a good place? And here's the twist. The very thing that they would have been critical of the farmer is the very point Jesus is trying to make for you and me. Why wouldn't we cultivate our heart? Why wouldn't we turn over the soil and receive what he says and what he wants for us? Why wouldn't we daily weed out the things that shouldn't be there? Why wouldn't we be careful to take this most valuable investment, the gospel, to plant it securely in a good spot and attend it? And the very criticism they would have had in the twist, actually in a funny turn and twist, comes right back on us to say, what will you do? with what God has given you. There's so much more I could say, but today I want to kind of close and pray with you just by saying this. What is the condition of my heart? What is the condition of your heart? And Lord, today, uh, as we as we go from this place, as we go on with our week, may our hearts become... May the, may the son of the gospel soften our hearts. May we receive your truth, your goodness, your life, your love, your forgiveness. And may it bear fruit in our lives. That's my hope. We're going to pick this up next week and continue as we tie all these parables together to Jesus' mission and what he was trying to do in the world and how it applies to our lives. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for every person, every child, every teenager, every young adult listening today. And I pray that something in this message would, would spark their interest, that something would cause them to soften their heart even a bit to receive the word and plant it into their souls. God, I pray that, that the message of the gospel, that we would understand it's not a quick fix, it's not a fast solution, it's, it's something that you do over time. It comes in seed form, but the power of it is unlimited. So Lord, help us to have hearts that are soft, to have ears to hear and eyes to see. And we thank you, Lord, that it is you that opens our hearts and it's you that causes the growth. But Lord, let us have soft and supple hearts to hear your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in with us. I hope the message was helpful. Hope you'll come back next week. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on YouTube. You can give by going to our website uh, and connecting with us there. Uh, we'd love to see you back here as we continue on this series in the weeks ahead. Have a great week.